Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Jackie Goddard. She is a former fashion designer and recovering actor. Jackie is the founder of Power to Speak. She has over 25 years experience working in and around the performing arts as an actor, director, producer, and teacher, facil- excuse me, facilitating and acting and voice workshops. This is going to be a great conversation. Jackie, welcome to the space. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Can you hear me? loud and clear oh fabulous i was looking at the screen thinking i've got to press a button very soon and i'm really not sure which one it is (laughs) you did it Uh, i did it brilliant (laughs) lovely to speak to you hollis fabulous to be here so wonderful to speak to you across the ocean yeah so grateful for technology so as we dive in before we dive into the first official official question i am going to ask you uh, if you could share with us um, an interesting or a fun fact with us about you, please. Mm, um, well, as soon as you said that, I was thinking, oh, is there anything fun? Um, I suppose interesting is my father is a stuntman. Oh. Which is a bit um, unusual, to say the least. Yeah, give us more information. Is he still... He I is? need to think of evil can evil. <laughs> like that's why I immediately yeah, think of evil yeah. and evil. So he still is a stuntman? He still is a stuntman, yeah. I mean, I have to say he's into his 80s, early 80s, I have to say. And yeah, he was on a film set last week. So no, still still loving it. So he started back when I was a toddler, I think, back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he did a bit of evil can evil stuff in the 70s. And then he went on to uh, do Star Wars and Superman. He was stunt coordinator on those. And he was a stunt coordinator for one of the Bond films with Timothy Dalton, I think. But yeah, he's had a really quite an illustrious career. 
And uh, having having spent the whole of my childhood being told not to tell you, don't tell anybody because they'll think you're telling lies or you're making it up or they will think you're showing off. So I didn't tell anybody. But now I'm an adult. It's like, yeah, my dad's a stuntman. I love it. <laughs> wow. So interesting. Isn't that interesting? It's like the perception of keeping it under wraps. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. Something really cool. But yeah, don't tell anybody. They'll think you're crazy. Yes. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, before we leave this topic, can you tell us like what, first of all, did you go on the set with him ever? Uh, yeah, a couple of times, yes. We didn't, not very often because, you know, I was at school and he was away a lot. He worked a lot abroad. So, but yeah, we went uh, went on to, I went on to the set of Alien with uh, Sigourney Weaver. I met her and she was in her big, her big robot big metal thing that she was stomping wow. around in there. Um, yeah, the old Superman films with Chris Reeves. I met Chris on the, on a roof somewhere. So cool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> From a kid's perspective, what was it like watching your father do that kind of stuff? Were you nervous? Were you like, oh, my God, that's my dad? Um, I do have the – I mean, the earliest memory I have is – of sitting on his lap and I must have been about four, three or four, well, no, I must have been four or five because I was at school and I sat on his lap and I, there was a program over here and I did old black and white, the Avengers original as it was back then with Patrick McNee and I was sat on my father's knee and watched him on the TV run up a, a hill and get shot. And I couldn't, I can remember thinking I couldn't work that out, how I could see him on the TV and yet I was sitting on his lap. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember that, but what I don't remember was going into school the following day to my nursery school and telling my teacher I'd seen my father get shot the night before. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, um, that caused, that was a, that was a, a telephone call home to my mum sort of going, oh, we're oh so sorry. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So interesting. All these different stories that we have. Yes. Yeah, no, that's it. There's a few. And he's, he's certainly got a lot more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But it's that whole like kid perception of, yeah, separating like what's real, what's not, and then sharing and then, you know, other people perceive it. Of course, it sounds like something really big. And yeah. it's like, um, oh, we kind of left out a fact that it was for a movie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> was it real? <laughs> it wasn't real, Bullet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you for that. Um, okay, so let's dive into the official official question, which is uh how do you define creativity? I well, as you know, I I started a, a podcast called Creative Conversations myself a few years back, and I spoke to um, I, it was a question that I always asked in mind because it it fascinates me this yes. thing that that people have this this perception of of creativity as being able to paint and draw, and certainly that's as we both know that's not what it comes where it comes from. Um, but so it was a question that I always asked, and the best answer I ever got was it was productive originality. So doing something, which is actually, I, I asked my father this very question, what is creativity? And he said, it's just doing. So when, when I got the answer, productive originality, it was really the doing, but with sort of something, creating something new somehow. 
and that can be from something old. But to me, it's it's really about everything that we do. It's it's just so innate in us to be creative. Uh, we you know we create all the time. We the, the, what we put on as clothes and you know, how we dress, how we hold ourselves, how we put ourselves out into the world. It's all a creation. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's about doing. It's about uh, just thinking, thinking creatively, taking risks with your thinking. You know, t- taking ri- even risk taking. I think building businesses. It's all creative. Yeah. Um, and I think the 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 more we can do that with imagination and curiosity and just a, a real curiosity in in life and and what it what it means to be part of the world and just adding to it. Mm. We are like, uh, our businesses are, and the way that we think, I'm not even going to say businesses, the way that we think we're like doppelgangers for each other. It's just, (laughs) we've been saying the same things and we've been asking the same questions and the same concepts. I mean, I have the tagline, creativity goes beyond a pencil and a paintbrush. Um, So, in what you said, I, I really appreciate, of course, the 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 just doing and the taking risks. And this word curiosity, that's come up mm. a lot. Mm. A lot of the people that I've spoken to recently have kind of alluded to that word um, or said the word straight out. It's about being curious. Yeah. Um, so I'd really love to everybody to learn more about you because here in calling this using your voice and story to influence and inspire audiences, what I just so admire about you is all that you've done and kind of breaking, uh, you know, not sticking to a certain age of when things should happen, like mm-hmm. that whole should word, um, you know, acting, you started acting when you were in your thirties and all of these things that you did. So if you can, I know it's asking kind of broad, but if you start wherever you want to start to tell us, to take us on a journey from that point to where you are now. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of years. (laughs) I know, I know. Um, Well, I mean, you know, it started in the playground really. I mean, it, from break times, I was always the one that was, I mean, I loved, like all kids do, play and pretend, you know, let's pretend and play characters. But for me, it was more than that. For me, it was about creating stories that I could then perform to other people. And so I'd gather a group of friends together in the playground and I would direct and I would star <laughs> in, and, you know, and I, we'd, we'd make up these little playlets that then would perform on a Friday afternoon to the rest of the class. And, and I, di- I just did that without, I don't know, without thinking, without realising what I was doing. Um, I'd do it outside of school too. I'd, we, I, I lived in a, uh, on an estate of apartments and, there were, you know, there were loads of kids. And we used to, I used to sort of perform 
get them all together and we'd perform for whoever would watch really. Um, so yeah, I'd, it's something that I've, I've always done and it, it kind of comes back to the storytelling and a real interest and curiosity about people and what makes people tick. And so I went from, uh, from doing that at the playground into a grammar school, which over here is sort of, you know, a lot more academic, less creative and kind of felt a little bit like a fish out of water. I did art there but there was no sort of drama stuff to do and my the, the careers people there put me off well they didn't put me off they kind of put me down really mm. I said I want to I want to be an actor and they kind of went mm, really do you is that really a, a good choice um so rather than going to drama school age sort of 16 18 whatever it was I ended up going to art school um and did fashion and textiles uh, which I you know, I loved the concept and the creativity that came with designing, but actually the business side of fashion, which is what I went into originally, was so non-existent because I was really just working for factories, creating stuff that was that was just, you know, it had no had no creativity involved in it really. Um, so I ended up moving across to theatre. A friend of mine was working at the Royal Shakespeare Company in London and I went in, she was in the wardrobe department and I went in and helped out with dressing, so dressing the actors. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine with with <laughs> what I'd always been interested in, I just sort of walked through the doors and thought, oh my God, this is my tribe. This is this is where I belong. Um, and I felt at home instantly, just sitting in, uh, I was dressing in the smaller, the, st the studio theatre of the Royal Shakespeare Company. And so it was very intimate. The, the audience were on three sides. And so come a tech, tech rehearsal, um, I'd get to sit in the auditorium and watch the actors and the directors working and the designers and the lighting tech and, you know, everything, how, how the, the whole concept of a, a piece of theatre went together, how the whole kind of storytelling around uh, a, an ensemble piece mm -hmm. as well, you know. Mm -hmm. So so to come out of that, I mean, I went into costume and thought perhaps costume was where I, I should have been, but it just, you know, that acting bug was was there in me and it was, it was never going to go away. So aged... 28 at 28 I I had breast cancer which was very unexpected and a little bit of a shock to the system but actually it gave me the impetus to kind of think right if I don't do this now um what a waste you know mm. it's it's going to bug me forever so I went off to drama school age 30 and uh, and came out and I had so much fun just I did fringe productions which are like the little productions over here with new plays um and it was just glorious. It was just lovely. It was a slightly more difficult when you when I was going for serious auditions and not getting them because I didn't look right. I was too tall. You know, all all of those things that as soon as you walk into a room, a director sort of knows whether they want you or not. So I ended up getting into teaching really just to subsidise going for the auditions and 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 the teaching really took over because once you're sort of in in a space with kids and you can see that they're really like sponges taking everything in, developing and, and growing and getting their confidence and their creativity and using their imagination, that that was just lovely too. So I, I stayed with 
with the kids for a while and then realized that I could have all the silly things that I was doing with the kids, all the exercises I was doing with them and the voice stuff. I, I ended up doing with with adults. I thought, why not get them running around playing silly games? And and actually, when it when I was working with adults and doing that, as much as it was sort of acting training, I was using the training that I'd had at, at acting school with the adults. But actually, it was they found it quite therapeutic. They used to, <laughs> they used to say to me after two hour session of you know do, improvising and stuff that it was like a therapy session, mm-hmm. um, and so. I just really loved working with the adults. It was sort of directing, which I think I should have always have been a director even rather than an actor. Um, so I loved, I loved doing that with them. And then in lockdown, when all the, all the venues and the workshop spaces and the schools all shut down and I was at home on, on networking online with small business owners, um, I did a coaching course in lockdown and yeah, realized that actually everything that I'd learned as an actor was so beneficial to anybody and everybody that had to speak to an audience and whether that audience was a potential client, um, customers, making a sale, networking, all of those things. It, it, it just to build somebody's confidence around speaking to whoever their audience was is just, you know, again, another joyous experience. So that's kind of where I am now is really, and helping people shape talks and really find their own stories and and help them take ownership of their stories and give them permission to really show up as themselves in, in whatever space they're in. Mm. Love that word permission. Yeah. Giving people the permission. I mean, what a journey and isn't it, it's, it's always so cool to me to realize what comes through, like what we do when we're children mm. is so often what's like when you uh, define what creativity was, you said um, what we do that's innate. Mm. It's innate. <laughs> like you were doing this without thinking about it as a kid. Yeah. You weren't just like, okay, let's see. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You just, it was just natural. Yes. Yeah. And in that natural ability, then, uh, you know, like you said, you went off to school and that got a little knocked out of you. Yeah. Um, but then the journey that kind of led you back around, it's just, I love, it's, it's so inspiring. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think everybody has that, that journey. So, you know, I think it's, it is something, I mean, quite often in the, in the podcast conversations I've had, I've sort of said to people, well, what did you want to be when you were nine? You know, what did you think you were going to be doing? And what was it that you loved to do in the playground? Because quite often you do find that people will come back to it. They'll go off on a career and they'll do things that they think they should do or is expected of them. Yes. Um, but in later life, once you've done stuff and you've had a bit of experience, you realize that actually, you know, this is perhaps what I, you know, the, the, what's going to make me happy. And quite often people, or people in their, in their own careers, I've, I've spoken to a few people that actually, even though they're doing something like marketing or graphic design, you know, they're doing something relatively normal. Um, they've, they've, they've somehow managed to incorporate a passion of theirs and they've kind of led their own career in a certain direction that said that so it's actually taken in something that they've been passionate about which is um so often you know i i refer to it as this whole adulting thing 
we mm. get stuck on the, you know, everybody heard the hamster wheel, but um, you know, Hollis, I am a responsible person. Do you expect me to go off and, and, you know, take a dance class or this, yeah. I don't have the time to do that, all of that. Um, but I really, I appreciated so much of what you said, but the light really kind of just went on um, when you said, you know, unfortunately, uh, and fortunately in a way you had that scare. Mm. Um, so grateful that you're okay. Um, but it, it opened your eyes. Like so yeah. often this happens, like something happens in life where it's like, okay, we realize mortality. We realize whatever the situation is like, look, <laughs> I've always wanted to do this. And that's the jumping point to be like, just do it. And yeah. yeah. And then the yeah. journey that it takes, it, it, it can, for certain people, it can um, take that to make that jump. Yes. Yes. No, it's certainly, you know, a pivotal moment for me. Um, and I wouldn't be the person I was today if it, if it hadn't have been for that experience. Um, yeah, really made me appreciate <laughs> everything around me. And the, and the fact that there is only, you know, we only have the one chance as, as far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I love this. You went into, you found your tribe you're sitting there and seeing how all of this comes together in the making of, you know, a show. Um, mm. And then here lockdown happens and then um, realizing your skills and being like, okay, I can help people. So here using your voice and story to influence and inspire audiences. What is it that you find is um, the thing that comes up maybe the most when you're working with someone where they're uh, having a block or a challenge in all of this. Yeah. I think, I think it is, I think it's, it is a combination of the permission and the shoulds. And I think people don't, don't realize that they can have, you know, if they, if they have a, a presentation that they're doing for work, um, it's, it's something that's expected of them and they think they should be, you know, a, a certain way they should speak a certain language, they should dress a certain way. And actually, when you kind of dig a little bit deeper and say, well, actually, what you've got to say is not about you, it's about the audience. Mm -hmm. So really find stories within your own experience that are going to, uh, are going to relate to that audience. Why are they there? Why should they care about what it is that you're speaking about? And once you kind of get them to look at it from that angle, from that point of view, then they, then, then they can look at their own stories and see how relevant they are to other people and how useful and valuable their own stories and their own experiences can be. So rather than trying to mm. fake being somebody they think they should be, which is why then people um and are and they they fluster over things because they don't feel comfortable because they're not really telling the truth, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. is odd really. But again, comes back to my acting training, and a and a light bulb moment I had when I was um, dressing at the the Royal Shakespeare Company when an an actor had to do something very embarrassing under a sheet with an actress, uh, making all sorts of noises and 
and I was so mortified for him. <laughs> and he came off to get changed into his next costume. And I said to him, how do you do that? How can you writhe and, you know, pretend to be having sex and, and, and all this under, and not laugh? How do you not get embarrassed? Yes. And he said, well, if you don't believe what you're saying, then your audience won't believe it either. Mm. And that for me made me realize that actually, I'm not, as an actor, I'm not going to step on the stage as Jackie playing this part. I'm going to step on the stage as that character. So I had to find the truth in what motivated that character and why that character was there and the story that they were telling. And as it, it's exactly the same when somebody is making a presentation or giving a talk or talking to a client uh, whichever, whatever situation they are in, if they're pretending to be somebody else, if they're playing at being somebody else rather than actually being themselves, sure. then it, it's very difficult to make that connection, to really kind of get your audience to relate to you. Because they'll, because if you don't believe it, they won't. Your audience will always mirror the way that you're feeling. Uh, and so if you're feeling uncomfortable, the audience can feel that. And if you're not being truthful, if you're not being authentic, it shows and the audience will pick up on that. So, so really it's about finding stories and experiences in yourself and owning those stories, even if you don't tell them, you know, even if there's something within your past that you sort of think, oh, that was, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't nice or I didn't do well there or I'm a little bit embarrassed about that. You don't have to tell people, but as long as you take ownership of it, then it's like having a backstory with an actor. When you, when you find out, uh, when you read between the lines of a script about the character that you're playing, you get grounded in who that character is and what, what motivates them to do what they're doing. And that won't necessarily always, well, that won't come up in, in the production, but you as an actor know that background. So you, you know, and it's the same when you're, a, when you're, um, you're doing a talk and it's your own stuff, as long as you're happy and at, at peace with who you are and self-aware enough to know that your stories are, and you are good enough, then that will, that will come across in whatever it is that you're speaking about. I love that. It It's, it's so basic, yes. <laughs> simple, <Yeah>. but not, <laughs> Yeah, but not because it's, I'm getting a vision. As you were saying all of this, I'm thinking of somebody giving a PowerPoint and when everything is written down and the yeah. person is reading verbatim what it's saying up there, like people can't read. Um, yes. You know, it's like, and it's just, you want to fall asleep. Yeah. It's so boring there's, but there's kind of like the shoulds. Well, they told me to speak on this. So here I am. And I did the research and blah, 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 put it all in here, but it's not adding any of this, like you're saying, this relatability, this mm. backstory, this, this, um, engagement yeah. in order to, like you said, why should anybody care? Why should anybody care about, you know, foundation, like makeup? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. what, making it relatable and giving some kind of humor or just making people care. Yes. Yeah. I mean, people buy from people and, and, and whatever situation you're in, if you're given a presentation at work, if you are 
are um, on a stage talking to a large audience, it could be one-to-one. You are selling something, you know, you are selling yourself. You are, if you're uh, running your own business, then it's, it is about, about what it is that you are and they, the, people will buy from you because they trust you. It's that no like, and trust thing. Yeah. So if you can find those stories and if you can really show up as yourself, then then you will find people that will relate to you. And I always say to people, they say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to put, either they don't want to be vulnerable, they don't want to be seen as vulnerable. So they say, say well, why would anybody want to hear my story? It's so boring, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, it's been traumatic and they won't want to know that. It's not about putting stuff out there, all your vulnerable traumas and everything else just to sort of get sympathy. It's not about that because it's not about you. It's about them. So it's finding it's finding things that are really going to be relatable, that are really going to be beneficial to the audience. And we all have those, we all have those stories. We all have we all have things and experiences that that will be really valuable to other people. And as much as we've heard them a hundred times because they've gone through our heads and we've spoken to family and friends, um, other people won't find them uh, boring. They won't have. They won't have heard them before. They will probably validate what's going on in somebody else's life. So that's that's what you want to. You really want to make that connection with people. Yeah the the whole thing uh, was a huge light bulb moment for me and shift in my emotions in realizing what my mission is is that it's not about me. Yeah, and it's not a reflection of me. That it's about the it's about the mission. Yes. And just that shift in that thinking is huge because then it really um, has allowed me to use my voice and story stories to inspire. Yes. Because uh, I, it, it's stepping and not to say that at times I don't get then stuck in my head as opposed to my heart of of those aspects that you mentioned of vulnerability and worthiness and that whole shame spiral um which doesn't feel good uh and then it it does it's a block it gets in the way um it's just so interesting yeah yeah and so so many people find it difficult to come out from from under that um and that's that's what i hope i help people do is to sort of say actually well just tell tell me everything i mean i always ask people to put everything down on a piece of paper um get everything out of your head put it on a piece of paper and then and then you can see the story you've got the a beginning a middle and an end whereas when these stories are in your head they kind of go round and round and round and and yeah i was i was talked to somebody from my podcast called mark england and he was he said we're story hoarders and so we we hold all of these stories in our heads um, and it's not until you get them out onto a piece of paper that you that they have an ending so then then you can I kind love of that. yeah so then you can deal with them and you can say okay that's that's that story but as i say that you know they're all they're all ways of 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 making you human and and building those connections and relationships you know yeah so you did a ted talk didn't you no, not yet. <laughs> is that on your is that on your radar? It is. I, I spoke to a lady yesterday actually that organizes a, a TEDx event over here. Um so yes, I I was saying it was on my bucket list, so it certainly is. Yeah. I I just admire I, I've known a few people who um have done them, the TEDx talks and 
And it just really uh, being off book and having all of that standing in front of everybody. I, I think the biggest thing to me is I've gotten to a point of understanding the standing in front of people like that. Mm. But it's the being off book part um, and, and not kind of going off on tangents. <laughs> yes. Yes. But then as a teacher, you know, you, you stood in, in front of classes and I'm sure, you know, you've, you've held a class for 30 minutes or whatever. And, and, you know, all the knowledge is there in our heads. This is the other thing that people, people sort of think, oh, well, I won't be able to speak for, for that long. I'll forget what to say. Yeah. But actually when you've, when you've got the stories to, to hook the, um, you know, the bullet points on, you know, the, the, the visuals or the bullet points or the stories are, are places that, that you can hang those points that you really want to get across to the audience. Mm -hmm. So once you've got those kind of those hooks and then you've got a journey through your talk, then it's very easy to talk for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour even, you know, yeah, because you've got the stories, you've got the journey, you know what, you know, who you're talking to, why they should be listening. And yeah, it's once you've got it planned, once it's all out there and uh, you've got a shape to it, it's it's a lot easier. Yeah. And that's the other thing, when, when you're telling your own stories, you, you can't forget them <laughs> because they're in your head and they always will be. So if you, uh, you know, if you can use those, those experiences, then, then there's no script. There doesn't need to be a script. There just needs to be a journey. There just needs to be sort of a beginning, a middle and an end, you know, where you want to take the audience, what you want to make them feel um, and how, you know, you're going to leave them at the end and what you want them to do afterwards. So, so yeah, as long as you've got that journey, you've got those stories, then actually it's very easy to, to talk. So here, so immediately when you said that, I was like, yes, I understand that. But what if I go blank? So it immediately just brought up for me to ask you in any time that you were on stage, I'm sure it did happen. Well, I've heard from many actors that mm. you, there you skip a line, you kind because, of may, yeah. and that whole interaction where that's the beauty of a play yeah. of a play where you can, it's the true interaction and connection where yeah. you work off of each other. So I guess in asking you, have you ever uh, kind of bumbled? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. It really is very strange. There's one of the things that I love, and it's a complete mystery to me how it happens, but it's obviously something in our brains that when when you're on stage, once you get, I mean, you can stand in the wings, your stomach churning and thinking, why the hell am I doing this? What am I doing here? Yeah. Um, and then once you get on and those lines start coming out, before you know it, you've been on this, this huge journey and you're off the other end. And it's very, it's not unusual. I mean, I, I have been in situations where either myself or a fellow actor has, has missed a huge chunk of, of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And yet you kind of carry on. I don't I mean, it's, it's a very strange thing. Um, but you're so in the moment. And that's the other thing about, mm. about giving a talk. It's about, I mean, I always say to people, memorize to improvise. And uh, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, when you, when you memorize a script, that's obviously the, the playwright has written the lines and, and they would be very upset if you, don't say the lines that they've written. So you absolutely do memorize the lines. And so you should. But obviously when you're doing a talk, 
I wouldn't want anybody to memorize half an hour's worth of script. I mean, they, that's just impossible. That's there's there's no fun in that. And and so what, when I say memorize to improvise, it's about practicing and rehearsing and being so comfortable with what it is that you're speaking about and the stories that you're telling that actually, if something does go blank or you suddenly think, oh, I'm not sure where I am, if you've if you've built that rapport because you are engaging with the audience, they'll go with you. They'll forgive you, even if you do go completely blank and have to say, oh, I'm really sorry. Hold on a sec. I've just mm -hmm. forgotten that. But if you have that flow in your head and you know what stories you want to tell, it's very, it's, it's very rare that you'll have that complete blank. That generally happens when you're trying to memorize words, when you're trying to see the words, what word comes next in your head. And then suddenly, you know, somebody hiccups or somebody coughs in the audience. Uh, and, and it all goes, you know, the, all the words in your head disappear. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be able to get to a part, uh, a point, like I suppose, I suppose a comedy, a comedian, is similar a stand-up comic you know when they they um are heckled from the audience or somebody shouts out something from the audience they are so well rehearsed and they're telling stories and that makes it easier for them just to interact with the audience and actually sort of bring it back to where they where they need to be yeah it's that truly being in the moment in the yeah. now absolutely yeah, yeah. Because that's when you, I mean, I, I can, I have been in situations like that where, especially if, you know, if you're on stage and, and somebody else is speaking lines for quite a long amount of time and suddenly it's your line. And in that, in that moment, you've sort of wandered off to wonder what's, you know, what's for dinner. Um, and then, <laughs> and a bit, so then you kind of break your own wall, you break your own focus and you step outside of that story that you're telling. And that's, that's when it all goes a bit pear shaped. So yeah, staying in the moment is definitely yeah what you yeah. <laughs> I love that it goes a bit pear shaped. <laughs> yeah. And where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? Yes, <laughs> it could be fun in a sense, but no, not really. That's stressful. No, but it, I mean that's the fun of being you know knowing it so well that you can improvise, you can have fun with it, you can enjoy it. Yes. You know, and that's what I, that's what I say. I'd love, I'd love to get people to the point where they are excited about sharing what it is that, you know, about getting onto a stage because they know it's going to be fun. They know they're going to enjoy it because they are so well rehearsed. They've got great stories to tell. They've got, there's a reason for them being there that the audience are going to enjoy listening to them. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be fun. Mm. Ooh, so great. Okay. So moving into this next part um how do you incorporate more creativity into your own life besides everything that we've spoken about oh yes i'm see i'm i'm not as creative as i think i should be but then maybe what i do i find quite creative as a you know the work that i do mm -hmm. um I, I try to, I used to do a lot of drawing. I used to love drawing. Um, but I think the creativity now really is just me doing what I'm doing at the moment, the, the, you know, in lockdown, I've created a business. So th this business is growing and I'm enjoying 
the creativity that comes with that. So I'm I'm actually quite enjoying the writing. I did um over the last few years I've done a part time degree. So I w- I graduated in September. Ooh, so congratulations in what? In creative writing and okay. English literature. So actually the last few years the writing has been has been really really good i'd forgotten about that actually because now the writing i do since i graduated obviously and since i've not had those assignments um the writing i do really is for content is for for blogs and um yeah for the content that i put out on social media which i really do enjoy my newsletter i do a newsletter every couple of weeks that goes out with the podcast the podcast again creative it's all it's mm-hmm. it's lovely i enjoy talking to people i then enjoy putting together uh the edited version and so yeah there's lots of creativity in my life when i think about it <laughs> yeah there really is and how about what do you do for you for release? Is there some kind of like, um, are you a kinesthetic person where you're like, I go for walks in nature, yeah. I take bike rides, I walk, I listen yeah. to music, I cook? Yeah, I definitely, well, I do, all of the above. I, I love walking. I am a walker. I, I'm very lucky to live uh, sort of by the sea and by a forest. So the forest meets the sea and there's some beautiful walks here. So I go out most days. Um, I do yoga. I love yoga. Um, so, yeah, and I do love, I, you know, I, I do love my time cooking in the evening. So, so yes, that's, that's kind of what I do. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like heaven to actually mm. have the forest and the sea. Yes. Like, there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you have any kind of a, um, I've learned to say, morning or evening routine? My morning routine, uh, yeah, it goes out the window every now and again, like this morning didn't quite happen. But I do like to get up and that's when I do the yoga. So I do 20 minutes um, every day if I can. Um, so, that yeah, that's part of my morning routine. And I have, I drink water because I don't really drink much water for the rest of the day. It's more tea and coffee. Um, but yes, I like to get up in the morning. I come down. I check out my social media. I drink my water, take my vitamins, do my yoga, and then I go up and have a shower and get myself ready for the day. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything at night? Um, no, apart from Netflix and a glass of wine. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all good. Are you watching anything good on Netflix? Uh, oh gosh, no, that, that sort of guilty pleasures. I've been watching. I've been rewatching Arrested Development. I love that show. <laughs> Which is yeah, that's my kind of. It's like oh, it's twenty minutes. It's only twenty minutes, and but you know, five episodes later. <laughs> I know a friend of mine always joke because um, I'm watching uh, Shit's Creek again. Oh right, yes, and. Um, Again, it's always, it's that 22 minutes or so. Yes. So a friend and I laugh because when her, her kids are out of the house, but when her daughter was staying with them and she was below where she was watching, there's that sound that it does every time. And that <laughs> I can't even, whatever the sound is. And her daughter would be like, again, you're, she's like, leave me alone. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I loved that. Uh, the two years that we had in lockdown when my daughter was at home and she, I mean, she's gone off to university now, but she was, I mean, we, 
I couldn't watch anything that she didn't want to watch, to be honest. But actually, all of the uh, American uh, comedy shows like uh, Who's That Girl? And, oh, I don't know, I can't remember. She also made me watch American Horror Story. Oh, did you like it? Well, yeah, I got, first of all, it was like, no, I'm not watching this. This is horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, it's horrific. Um, But actually, I I have to say, I did get into it in the end. (laughs) She corrected me. (laughs) That was really, I mean, it was visually interesting, wasn't it? Yes, yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And some, yeah, some, I loved the, I suppose as a, as a storyteller, as a a filmmaker that I, you know, I love all of that. And I, and she's very much, my daughter's very much into that. She's, she's doing creative writing at the moment, but she's sort of a very visual filmic kind of cinematic kind of person. So in terms of that, it was, it was great to watch. And I just liked the concept of having the same actors in different parts, you know, in the, in all the different stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it's interesting, definitely interesting. I don't know if I could watch it again. I don't think it's one that I'll ever revisit, but uh, yeah, but interesting. There's it's funny because my husband's a TV film editor, and um, he is able to he watches things uh, for the story. Yeah, and I am very empathic, and it hits me in a different way. Yeah. So it's always this conversation where, as you know, I walked out of Pulp Fiction, I will say everybody, I <laughs> literally walked out of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> he was so excited to um, show it to me back in the 90s yeah. when it came out. And um, he'd seen it twice already with a friend and yeah. we were living on other sides of the country and he took me and he leaned over at one point and he's like, so what do you think? I'm like, I hate this movie (laughs) he's like really I'm like I hate hate it with a passion and he's like do you want to leave I'm like that would be amazing and we left he's like I can't believe you (laughs) oh has he forgiven you and I went off on this tirade of he just started laughing because we're walking. I'm like, it was like a violent Woody Allen. It just kept <laughs> perseverating and perseverating and perseverating. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And, I just, and he was just like, okay, okay. I hear you. I just couldn't let it go until I got it out of my system. Oh, that's amazing. Because I have to say at the time, I, that was my best movie ever. I'd never, I'd, I'd, I'd got to the point with movies where I was bored because I always knew what was going to happen. And Pulp Fiction, I had no idea what was coming around the, you know, around the corner. And again, visually, the music, everything, it just, yeah. But I think, I think you do get acclimatised to, to that kind of violence, which is terrible, really. Um, but, yeah, I can, see how, I can see how it happens watching, um, watching American hit, um, Horror Story with, with my daughter and, and in the beginning kind of going, no, this is awful, I don't want to watch this, I can't watch this. Um, but eventually kind of going and being okay with with the horror yeah and I think that's what that was the difference that I would always say to my husband because I was teaching in very stressful situations yeah so because I was in those spaces I wanted to come home to a romantic comedy yes Um, and he would just be like Hollis it's just a movie I'm like I know it's just a movie but it feels different to me yeah um it's the feeling no, I, I absolutely get that. I absolutely get that. And I love that you said it was like uh, Woody Allen, a violent Woody, Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and, it, and it's still the joke, like, um, 
However, 20 some years later, because it's now on Amazon Prime or some kind of movie, some something. So he's always like, I'm watching your favorite movie. I'm like, <laughs> now the kids can say that. Oh, it's mom's favorite movie. I'm like, yeah. just quiet, everybody. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all that being said. So as we are getting to the top of the hour, um, this is the question that kind of wraps everything up, which is, why do you think creativity is important? Well, I think it's imp it's important for our well-being, if nothing else. You know, if you really look at creativity in its in its most basic form of of just using our brains and our what we think about, how we can how we get our thoughts out and into the world. Um, I think it's just so important for our mental health to find a, a way of expressing what it is that we need to express, that we need to, to get out. Like, like, you know, when I was talking about the story hoarding, if we let those stories go round and round and round, we, we send ourselves mad, really. So if we can find a way of getting them out into the world, either onto a piece of paper, onto into a garden, into an oven, into, you know, wherever that might be, into our children, into you know, I think it, I think it's just so important for our own well-being and for our own happiness to find something that that we do because it brings us joy and not for any other reason. You know, I'm I'm a big advocate for for playing, and I think as adults we don't play enough. You know, we we left that behind in the playground, and I could see that. That's that's why my my adult classes, two hours on a Friday morning, said it was like therapy because for that two hours they could just make it up as they went along. They could just play. There was there was no expectations, and so I think I think that's why it's important. I think we all need to find a way of 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 releasing that's that stuff that's inside of us. Oh my gosh. Kind of important everybody, right? Yeah. It's it's like everything. This yeah. is what this is what cracks me up every time. It's like when people are like, "Oh, that's I think creativity is a word that has been used more, it's been recognized more, but it gets watered down." Yes. And it gets watered down but then it gets put in a box. Yeah. Um which we've already said. So here in everything that you said, which we go mad if the stories are not released. Yes. It brings us joy. It's about playing and not having expectations. It's letting it go, everybody. Yeah. It's like, stop taking everything so seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. God. And did, did you ever watch the, um, the Ken Robinson Ted talk? I oh, didn't. I didn't. I'm going to write that down again yeah. and I'm going to watch it after we speak. Tell, yeah. tell, tell us about it. It's called, um, do schools kill creativity? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so Ken Robinson was, was an English, uh, I think he was a professor. I mean, just, I mean, if nothing else, the Ted talk is absolutely hysterical because he is such a fantastic speaker. He died only recently, uh, last year or the year before. Um, but he talks about how, how schools have have kind of taken all the creativity out of any subject you know because it's not just i mean schools over here certainly the arts um and creative subjects are almost non-existent now but mm -hmm. even the creativity that comes with english and history and 
and writing stories and, you know, all of those things, maths even, you know, there's a, there's a creative side to everything. Yes. And I think, you know, there's that TED talk that he, he gives is just shows you how important it is that we all find some way of, of uh, expressing our, our own creativity. And I think in saying that, and thank you for bringing that up, I mean, that's a whole other topic within the schools because yeah. um, there's so much put on here in the U.S. There's so much put on with testing and and all of that kind of stuff that completely drains people and keeps people on edge and, and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but it, it's this taking these subjects like math, like science, like um, history, and making them interactive. And like yes. you said, speaking to your audience and and the and the why, like what will they get from it? How can you put it in terms where they can get it and understand it and have fun with it? Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's such a different energy as opposed yeah. to sitting up there and just da, 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 da. Well, there's A squared plus B squared. Mm. What does that equal? It's like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i know don't get me started <laughs> it's, there was you know the question that they'd ask um if one train leaves at this time and another train leaves at this time what what time do they meet i'd be like i don't care i don't care <laughs> i won't be there <laughs> it's not my job to figure that out it's somebody else's job to figure it out why do i need to figure that out <laughs> yeah but this is it that i think so many i mean i say don't get me started but i think so many teachers um have been through school themselves they go off to uni to do their teaching degree and then they go back to school and so there's no real life experience they don't have those those stories or that that opportunity to engage in the wider world before they are uh, teaching kids and just you know they're just literally regurgitating and passing on knowledge that they've learned and you know that that kind of life experience is not necessarily there well, it's funny because um, I'll just say to that and then we'll um, we'll learn how to connect with you is that when I never I never really enjoyed school, I just never really felt like I fit in um, and grades weren't really important to me and all this kind of stuff anyway. So I kept when I ended up teaching and I didn't really know, didn't plan for that to happen. But when I did teach and got degrees and blah, 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 but I had I did have a lot of life experience in between. But I kept saying, why do I keep ending up in schools? Like, mm -hmm. I never enjoyed it when I was like, why do I keep ending up here? And what I think I found for myself was I wanted to make it different. Yes. I wanted to create better experiences yeah. for people in these spaces so they could express, so they could feel a different way. Yes. And thank you to people like you to actually, you know, be there and, and doing that because I think it's so important and there's there's not enough of it. Yeah, well, thank you. But I think it really was the intention. And I think there are people that do go directly from school with a good intention, but then oh, yeah. you get caught up in so much of the of the expectations, which is kind of of the shoulds. And yes. the, this is, there's so much behind all of that. But yeah. anyway, so how can people connect with you jackie and i'm going to ask first is there anything online or anything where people can interact with these classes that you have for adults um 
I mean, you'll tell us all the ways, but I was just curious. Yeah, no, I I have started, um, I've started an in-person speaker club, Speak Like a Speaker Club over here, which has been lovely actually to get back in a space with people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just an opportunity for people if they've got a talk or a presentation or a best man speech or anything, anything mm -hmm. they want to practice with an audience, um, then that's, that's an opportunity to get into a space. And I give tips and techniques before we start and then we do a bit of uh, mucking about and then they get they get a chance to to practice what it is that they've brought with them that I'm hoping to transfer online um, very soon which will obviously once it's once it's online then it will be a global <laughs> as long as people can come along to the time so that's that's in the planning so there's there's nothing else online at the moment mm -hmm. she says thinking um, but <laughs> certainly you can um, interact with me through uh, my website, which is powertospeak.co.uk and uh, or follow follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn and find me there with uh, Jackie Goddard Power to Speak. Okay, so that's a big space for you. Yeah, I mean, I've got the podcast. I do a live speaking about speaking with other speakers and speaking coaches. And that's generally I do six week blocks, but that's on a Tuesday at 4 p.m. my time, which which is, it must be 11 a.m. your time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So how can people listen to the podcast? Is that on your website? The podcast, the longer form podcast is on uh, YouTube, the Power to Speak YouTube channel. And those are all my past ones. There's, there's even a conversation with my dad on there. You can find that, mm -hmm. Paul, Paul Weston. Uh, so it's a conversation that we have, but lots of different people there from actors to musicians to business owners, um, talking on all sorts of subjects. And then the live goes out to the YouTube channel on LinkedIn and on my Facebook page, which again is Power to Speak UK. Okay, great. Oh my gosh. Before I say my official goodbyes, our official goodbyes, is there anything else top of mind that you feel like you want to say or missed or anything like that? No, I just, you know, hands up to you for, for just um talking about creativity because it's just so important i think for work for well-being for life so yeah more power to you well to us because we are yeah. on this mission together i mean we've created a podcast with the same title <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the same framing questions before yes. we even knew each other so so yeah. we are in this together so absolutely I, I really, well that's made me that that's made me think actually the the podcast atticus the original podcast was called atticus arts creative conversations and you can still find those there's still a handful of those which was they were more specifically about uh creativity um and that uh joseph jaffe was the the uh the marketing man that i spoke to that uh gave me the definition of uh, productive originality. Ah, wonderful. And Atticus is two T's? Yes, as in Atticus, Atticus Finch. That was my, from To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Oh my gosh. Well, Jackie, it has been a pleasure. I am so grateful that I met you at that networking event. Yeah, <laughs> thank you to Stephanie. It has been so wonderful. So thank you so much for taking this hour and chatting with us and sharing more about yourself. 
appreciate oh, you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been fabulous talking to you, Hollis. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And those joining us live, thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. Those catching the replay, we know you could be doing anything with your hour, and we so appreciate you spending it with us. The space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories, and connection. I believe we've always needed this, but I believe we really need it now more than ever. The connection is key. So with all of that being said, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world, and look forward to connecting soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, coffee books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one. <laughs>